This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. Welcome to Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast from the Sports Social team and with a fresh sound for 2023. And freshening up is exactly what's needed at Chelsea, it seems. Out of the FA Cup, 10th in the Premier League and fans chanting for the return of old boss Thomas Tuchel and ex-owner Roman Abramovich. Just how much pressure is Graham Potter under at Stamford Bridge as the fans seem fed up? Chelsea not the only Premier League side to get knocked out of the cup this weekend. Everton, Palace, Bournemouth and Brentford, they're all out. Newcastle and Villa knocked out by sides in the lower leagues. Do top flight sides really care about the cup anymore? And we're almost a third of the way through the January window. And so, of course, the links to players in and out of Manchester United are getting louder. We'll go through some of those shortly, as well as throwing our gripes into the deep blue with Get In The Sea. We might sound a little different in 2023, but fear not, it's still the same bunch of misfits getting their football fix. Jim Salverson and Marley Anderson are here. Hello, lads. You're right, Niall. I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the new... The new sound that we've got. It's good, isn't it? This feels like, like a little party. About to, about to play a game of Tekken. Did you ever play did you ever play Tekken, Marley? Yeah, I loved, used to love Tekken back in the day. Who did Te- you choose? Who was your character of choice back then? Um what was he called? The sort of American fella. Paul Phoenix with yeah. the big uh, with the big the big yeah. mohawk. Yeah. I used to like him and uh, there was a big Jap- was he called Hitachi or something like Oh Hi Hachi. Yeah. Legend. He yeah. was quality, yeah. Yeah. He used to like that. But... What a game Tekken was, man. What yeah. a game. But we're not here to talk about video games. We're here to talk about football. And of course, this is a daily Premier League podcast, but loads of exciting stuff coming your way. In 2023, we've got some great guest interviews with former Premier League players, managers, and general characters of the game. Of course, all the usual Premier League news views and opinions. So 
why not hit subscribe to stay connected with us here at FSD. And you can also get involved on social media. The Twitter handle is at FSD pod. And we might be a Premier League podcast, but it was the FA Cup third round this weekend. So a slightly different flavour to what we might be used to on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. And Sunday afternoon played host to one of the bigger ties of the weekend, Jim, as two Premier League heavyweights went toe to toe. Manchester City played Chelsea. It finished City 4, Chelsea nil. Comfortable mm. for the Manchester club in the end. This is the first time Chelsea have lost in the third round of the FA Cup for 25 years. As I mentioned before, they're 10th in the Premier League, 10 points off the top four. Why is it so bad at Chelsea at the moment? I don't know, but it does seem to be reaching crisis point already for Graham Potter. I don't think if Chelsea had lost to City in the same way they lost to City in the Premier League, they'd be quite the same upset about them being dumped out of the FA Cup. There is no shame for any team losing to Manchester City. But I think to lose in the manner they did, to be 3-0 down at half-time, to lose 4-0 at the final whistle, and particularly to a... I think it would be fair to call the City team that Pep put out yesterday as a... It was a second-string team. It was full of, like, youth players and the likes of Alvarez who don't necessarily get a full 90 minutes every week. So to be dumped out in such dramatic fashion, I think that's why suddenly fans are calling for Graham Potter's head. Hmm. As for why... I mean, if I could answer that question, I'd be managing Chelsea Football Club, wouldn't I? I've no idea why it's not quite working. You might have a decent chance yeah, yeah. in the next few weeks. My next, my turn. I mean, it just isn't. And it you look at what Graham Potter's doing at Chelsea and it looks like he's taken his blueprint in terms of what ha- he did at Brighton, mm. in terms of he's quite tactically flexible. He likes to play with the ball on the floor. He likes to make sweeping changes and mix things up when it's not working so all those things that worked so well for him at Brighton just don't seem to be working at Chelsea and I do wonder whether it's a man management scenario Mm. whether he has the same level of respect going into that Chelsea dressing room that he had at Brighton and whether the players are playing for him in that way it's really difficult to know what's going on behind the scenes but it certainly doesn't look like it's working for him at the moment at Chelsea But whether that's to do with the personnel not being there or whether it's to do Mm. with the players not necessarily backing him and wanting to do what he wants them to do on the pitch, it's really difficult to tell at the moment. Certainly, Chelsea have not got their team right at the moment because you look at the first 11 they put out yesterday, they seem to have a few gaps that need filling within that 11. But they do have 10 first-team injuries and I think it's important to caveat that because any team and any manager with that many injuries is going to suffer. And yeah. Graham Potter's really suffering at the moment. But what do you think, Marley? Particularly, how does Todd Bowley react to this situation? It was his choice to appoint Graham Potter. It was his choice to dismiss Thomas Tuchel, who, by the way, the fans were chanting for after the game at the Etihad yesterday. Graham Potter's sure, predecessor. Sure, football fans, don't they? It like, <laughs> well, wasn't that long ago they were calling for him to go. He's gone. Well, we're in a, tra- we're in a transfer window here. They've brought Graham Potter in at Chelsea, including his entire backroom staff. They've spent... Over half a billion on new personnel, including a bunch of new players. I mean, is it too soon to say that it was an error to appoint Graham Potter? Is it fair on Graham Potter? Because as I mentioned, there's been loads of injuries. He's clearly a good manager. But as Jim says, it's just not happening for him at the moment. No, um, it's not. But I think it's foolish to to put a manager in and then not give him any time. Um, he, he came in in like, was it October-ish time? Um, and then I think you've got to give him got to give him a couple of windows at least. Mm. Um, you know, they've, they've basically gone to Brighton and pillaged 
the whole uh, like system from bottom to top. They signed loads of backroom fellas and um, boardroom style, trying to basically trying to um, replicate Brighton off the field as well as as on the field, which is obviously a compliment to how Brighton are run. Um, even though it's frustrating for Brighton to to see so many players, uh, so many like integral members of staff jump ship, but that is that is football to be fair. But I think with um, with with Potter, he's he's doing the best as what he can right now. I don't think Chelsea, are, you know, with they're nowhere near getting the best eleven out, mm. um, and that's that's showing in the performances. They look very disjointed. Um, the bright sparks tend to come from from the youth players. I think uh, Omari Hutchinson and um, Bashir Humphreys were probably the two best players and last in the, night. In the game four days ago, Chukwemeka looked like one of Chelsea's best players. I know they signed him from yeah. Villa, but he's still young. Isn't still he? a young lad, yeah. But that's that's the problem, and and that's um, one thing I always worry about when a manager goes to a big club, having done well at a smaller club, like. Do they have that respect? Do they get that respect from players that have been around the block? Um, and I'm th- I was thinking watching the game yesterday, and I'm thinking, does Jorginho and does Koulibaly care that Graham Potter's come from Ostersons and worked his way up at Swansea and then worked his way up at Brighton and done a really good job? Does he give a toss? Because I don't think he does. I think that's kind of the problem, isn't it? And you look at the display yesterday, and yeah, it happens like, all the time. You can look at this two ways because there were a lot of people criticising Chelsea for a lack of fight mm. in that game, and that hints exactly what you say that you've got players that just aren't up for it that just don't care that Graham Potter's got this career and they're not interested in playing for him Mm. the other side of that is Man City do that to a lot of teams it's like it's very difficult to look like you've got fight when you can't get anywhere near the ball but Chelsea is supposed to be one of the top teams in the country and they're 10th in the league and they're getting hammered by teams they're supposed to be competing with and I think that's the problem here Man City haven't been that untouchable I don't think this season well they drew with Everton didn't they they won one or whatever it was Newcastle got right in the faces should have beat them like it Mm. can be done Mm. but you have to have you have to be on the same page you have to have a you know a a philosophy and a a playing style that is gonna stand up to it but you know players like like Jorginho's not gonna press press Mm. anyone he's gonna stand and wait for the ball so he can pass it around and make you know, 120 passes a game, and if he doesn't do that, he's he's a passenger. That's why he gets taken off after. I think he got took off after after about an hour last night, and he yeah. he was irrelevant. He was totally a ghost. Mm. So, you know, there's there's loads of work to be done at Chelsea, and it's going to take a few transfer windows. But like, how many managers are they going to have in that meantime? How important is it that we remember, Jim, that Chelsea effectively they have been gutted from top to bottom. I wouldn't say gutted, actually. I'd say probably like a refurbishment Mm. because they've changed ownership. Abramovich is gone and we'll come on to some of the other Chelsea chanting in a second. Abramovich is gone. Bowley's come in, signed loads of players. Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen, two sort of senior defenders for Chelsea, left last season, been replaced by young Fafana, who's been injured. Koulibaly, maybe not quite been as, as good as we saw him in the Italian league. Is it worth remembering that the entire backroom staff left when Thomas Tuchel left. The ownership has changed. Lots of personnel changes on the pitch as well, with new players coming in trying to settle down. Do you think there's just been too much disruption for Chelsea to settle, and that's why we're seeing this on the pitch? Potentially, yeah. I mean, the backroom staff thing, that's just what happens when new managers come in mm. nowadays. It's very rare that a manager departs and the assistant manager and the coaches and whatnot all stay. It tends to be a team of individuals that move on between clubs. 
But you're right, if you combine that with the ownership changing, which on its own you wouldn't necessarily expect to cause instability on the pitch, and then those key players, and we called this at the end of last season, we called the mm. departure of Christensen and Rudiger and the defensive contracts that are up and the players that were leaving, we said that might cause problems. Because if you want any part of the pitch to gel more than any others, it is your defensive unit, it's your back five that yeah. need to be familiar with playing each other. Do you know what I think it is? Is if, for instance, we all left... Football Social Daily today, and then you know left some, Joel on his own. <laughs> yeah, Joel Joel was on his own, and then everyone else, like a new group of people, came in. It the Football Social Daily would be different, and would I'm just Thiago Silva be able to host the podcast. Exactly the what I'm saying. Asking. I'm looking at I'm looking at this Chelsea squad here, and I'm thinking, who's the senior figure in mm. the squad now? Who's the kind of the person who knows how the club works, how it worked before. That's about it. it. It's Azpilicueta or maybe Kepa, but only he's had games recently and, you know, he's had his troubles. He looks like N'Golo Conte's been there ages, but he's not the sort of, he's quite a shy, timid guy, Mm. great player, but not the sort of character who maybe brings a dressing room together. And I'm looking at all of the other players and they're either too young to kind of be those senior figures or they've only signed in the last three or four seasons. Where's that like figure Ma- that's Mason, been there for 10 like years? Mason Mount, who has that heritage with the football club and has had enough first-team experience, could be stepping up into that role. But, but it's strange to think that Mason Mount, at the age of 23, 24, is one of the senior players mm. who's been at the club the longest. I think yeah. that the, the more important question looking at that is, how do you fix that scenario? Mm. Because you don't fix instability by creating more instability. So you don't fix that by getting rid of Graham Potter and bringing in someone else and starting mm. again. What you do is you give the individual time, you give the manager time to yeah. build a squad to enforce his mentality. And that, that's, if that is the case, if it's instability that's caused this problem, the only solution or the only option Tom Burley has is to hunker down yeah. and stick with it. Well, Graham Potter, as quoted on the back page of today's Daily Telegraph, says, we're not good enough. My first impression would be, it's your job to sort it out as much as the chips are against him at the moment. And uh, the back page of the star today says uh, touch and go or touch and go as uh, Potter is slaughtered as Chelsea fans chant for ex-boss. Not only were they chanting for Thomas Tuchel, Marley, they were also chanting the name of Roman Abramovich from the stands yesterday at the Etihad. Of course, the Russian oligarch who used to own Chelsea before ownership transitioned into the hands of Todd Bowley. Jim mentioned that football fans are fickle. It's not just Chelsea fans. I think all football fans, to an extent, are pretty fickle. But what do you make of that? The Chelsea fans chanting not only for Tuchel, but also for their former owner. Um, don't know. Pointless, really, isn't it? Like, He's not coming back, is he? No, Let's face it. he can't come back. There's a war going on. Um, he was sanctioned as part of something which is way bigger than football. So it's it's typical football fans being sort of like remembering remembering mm. the good old days but you know they're not coming back are they like you, Tuchel's not coming back Abramovich isn't coming back so you know chant all you like but it's not going to change the situation it's not going to help anything like that's that whole chant and you know the attitude of, of this is not going to help sort out the problems on the pitch it's not going to help the, the team gel it's not going to help your players come back quicker it's not going to help Potter who's chant, whose job it is to try and you know, herd all these cats type of thing and, and get them into a into a, a sort of system that can get you results. But it's just, I think it's just typical football fans and, and typical Chelsea, to be honest, that they, they love remembering the good old days, but sort of a little bit fearful of, of what's going on now. You know, the, 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 the sort of, they'll remember the past and remember everything like that, you know, rose-tinted, rose-tinted spectacles. But going forward is, is the challenge and that's what 
I need to get behind because at the minute there's there's massive problems and it's only going to take time. But I mean, Chelsea's fan base now probably doesn't give anyone time because they've not been used to getting for people giving time. You know, Abramovich mm. checks managers and signs new players all the time in his era. Cultural so, change at Chelsea, isn't it? With the yeah, potentially, so, but that breeds fan instability and fans wanting instant success and stuff, and it, it doesn't always happen. I'll tell you what it does do though; it does illustrate perfectly the power and the strength that sport washing has because suddenly Chelsea are in a bit of a bad situation they're calling for their war criminal ex-owner that's waged an illegal war against their neighbour and killed thousands of innocent people I don't think Abramovich has killed thousands of people himself well actually I don't know well, possibly, possibly. I mean, we, <laughs> we can't. guy, you know. You've got to be careful. Head. But uh, yeah, is there a red dot on anyone's head at the moment while we're talking? I mean, it's 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 a serious situation, isn't it? It's like because, as Marley says, it was a bigger thing, much mm. bigger than football. The reason mm. that he gave up ownership or was forced to give up ownership of Chelsea Football Club, and I don't actually think the fans realistically want or think he's going to come back as an owner. It's more an indication of their displeasure with Tom Bowley at at this stage and how he's running the football Well, I'm really interested to hear what Chelsea fans think. So if you are one listening to this podcast, maybe we've got it all wrong. Do Chelsea fans like Todd Bowley? Are they unhappy with the way he's running the club? Are they happy with the transfers that he's made because they've spent big money on players? Has it worked? Has the gamble to bring in Graham Potter worked? What do they think he's done wrong? Mm. Because I can't think of an obvious mistake. Like, you, you... you can't say, oh, Potter was the wrong choice because, I mean, he sacked Tuchel. Okay, like that might be a mistake, maybe. But in terms of Potter, who 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 else was out there? Yeah, that is sort of a leader of of the market. You know, when you look around and say who's out there, Potter was clearly the best. I know they were struggling on Thomas Tuchel, but I still think that sacking was exceptionally harsh. But that's just my personal opinion. We'll get the view of a Chelsea fan on tomorrow's edition of Football Social Daily as Kerry from the Chelsea podcast, which is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, will be joining us to shed all of the light on the goings-on and the thoughts of the fans at Stamford Bridge as Chelsea's poor run continues. Just a final bit of negative news, which is... Disappointing to be talking about this at the very least, particularly um, after the weekend of FA Cup games we've had where the majority of games were really well attended, really well supported and some brilliant moments for particularly fans of of clubs in the lower leagues who get a chance to play against Premier League teams. But two Premier League sides yesterday in Man City and Chelsea, Manchester City are being investigated by the FA after alleged homophobic chanting from the City fans during the match. There's a chant that many clubs will sing to Chelsea fans which well it's never been acceptable but probably would have been let by in the 80s mm. the 90s probably even as recently as this century Jim but it's not okay to do that anymore uh, we're better than this in 2023 aren't we yeah it's a problem that just doesn't go away with football isn't it the idea of homophobia or racism or sexism or whatever it is within the game it just seems to be an ever present and partly it's to do with football fans getting carried away And partly it's to do with, for want of a better phrase, undesirables who share horrible opinions or disgusting opinions, voicing them in what would appear to be the relative safety of a football ground. But a football ground shouldn't be a place where you feel free to... Football should be a place horrible opinions. But you can let your hair down, but to a certain extent, and that, that goes beyond that. 
Yeah, and I think probably more has to be done to make football feel like an inclusive place because that's mm. one of the real challenges, mm. isn't it? There's a reason why we still haven't seen an openly gay, mm. top-flight Premier League... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, basically, hostile. It's a hostile environment in, yeah, sure. in which to be gay. Football is it's mm. still very much a very blokey, very masculine, well, very it, aggressive it's, environment. It's normally Chelsea and Brighton are the two clubs that are targeted with mm. these sorts of homophobic chants. And it's been that way for 50 years, maybe more. And it's just not OK anymore. And I think, like I was saying before, it's going to take time for people who used to sing that on the terraces and got away with it consequence free mm. to now accept that that is something you cannot sing. But I think it's the action that's important here. Yes. And I, I, I 100% believe Manchester City will support the FA and whatever they want to do in this scenario. Cause I agree. It's the type of club mm. that Manchester City are. But fining football clubs is pointless because it doesn't impact the fans in any way. It certainly mm. doesn't impact the, a club like Manchester City if you find them 100, 200 grand, whatever, and it won't be anywhere near that. It doesn't have any real impact. Yeah. Kicking them out of a competition might do, but even then I don't really believe that this particular set of fan base would be bothered by that. The only way to do it is to ban fans. Yes. And most football clubs are in a situ- position where they can do that now. Mm. If you go to a football club, you are on camera. You are being filmed throughout most of the game. And so identifying these individuals and stopping them, preventing them going to football matches in the future, that's the only way to deal with it. Listen, I was at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Saturday and a good chunk of the 9,000 Pompey fans that were there were chanting over the bar, over the bar at Harry Kane for a good five, ten minutes. Um, (laughs) That's all right, you can do that. You know, you let your country (laughs) down and all of that. I mean, but that's terrorist humour. Some Mm. stuff is not acceptable anymore and that certainly isn't so such a shame to see that there was some allegations of homophobic chanting between Chelsea and Man City last night from the City end and the FA will be investigating that. Right then, Chelsea are out of the FA Cup but so too are a bunch of other Premier League sides. We'll talk about the weekend in the greatest and most famous cup competition in the world, the FA Cup, next after this here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe or follow now and never miss an episode. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Follow us on Twitter at FSDPods. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. 9th of January 2023 and the early few weeks of January means that it's the FA Cup third round weekend and what a weekend we've had started on Friday night with Everton against Manchester United and United beating the Toffees at Old Trafford almost started the domino effect 
gym of loads of Premier League sides being knocked out. Newcastle, Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Palace, Brentford all out. And one of Wolves or Liverpool are going to join them as well as those two sides will go to a replay. Um, Newcastle got knocked out by League One Sheffield Wednesday. Villa by League Two Stevenage. Bournemouth by Burnley, who are the championship pace setters, of course. It's only the third round and it's already looking very, very open. So I guess... This means it's a good chance for someone outside of the usual crop of top clubs in the top flight might have a crack at winning the FA Cup. I think if you're a Premier League team and you're sitting there watching other Premier League teams go out, you kind of start rubbing your hands together a little bit and going, oh, is this a chance for silverware? And then you get knocked out by Man City in the semi-finals. So it's not. But yeah, I, I don't think there's too much to read into it at this stage in terms of big teams going out to smaller teams in the FA Cup, but it is looking like potentially, like I say, if those replays go the wrong way or Oxford happens to be Arsenal tonight, it will be a record amount of Premier League teams knocked out in the mm. third round, which is an interesting stat. I do wonder how much the World Cup's played into this yeah. because a lot of those Premier League teams have had an enforced five-week break whilst Championship had a break as well, didn't they? So it's Division 1 much shorter, much that shorter. continued mm. there. So they'll be, they'll be more match-ready and match-fit, but within those results, there were still some pretty freakish results like if you look at the Aston Villa Stevenage Borough game mm. Aston Villa were cruising yeah, yeah. for 85 minutes of that game pretty much they just almost cruised too much because they seemed to pass it around without too much penetration but they should have won that mm. and it ended up being a bit of a freak result and a very poor penalty that Aston Villa conceded. So it's not then, a case of teams not caring about the cup then. It's just one so. of those things that's happened and it's kind of almost a coincidence that so many have gone out. I don't think so. Maybe there was a little bit of caution with Premier League managers mixing up squads slightly more than usual mm. and protecting players who haven't played as much football as they would have normally at this stage in the season. But I think, I mean, this this type of weekend makes people care more about the FA Cup of anything, doesn't it? I love the it's FA It's like, Cup. it makes it feel exciting again when... If you just get Premier League teams going through, you kind of it's it's just you just end up with the same games you see at the weekend mm. throughout the FA Cup weekend and it's not as exciting. So I think there's still a love for the FA Cup both within the game and from fans. So I don't think it's a lack of caring. I think it's just a bit of a strange scenario. This year of football has been a little bit weird and it's just seeing that tell itself that story lay out in front of us. Well, you mentioned Stevenage beating Aston Villa by two goals to one. And you also picked up on managers shuffling their squads. Marley, your team, Newcastle, out of the FA Cup hmm. at the third round. You lost at Hillsborough <laughs> to Sheffield Wednesday, who were sort of leading the way in League One, really, one of the top sides in that division. But there should really have been no contest between Newcastle and Sheffield Wednesday. It's never as easy as that, though, when these games roll around. Eddie Howe, as I mentioned, made some changes and he lived to regret it in the end. Are you annoyed about going out of the FA Cup again, particularly with, as we were mentioning, so many other top Premier League teams falling out of the competition at this stage? Would have been a really good chance for Newcastle to try and go deep into this competition. Yeah, I thought we could have had a, a genuine shot at winning it. With um, You look at Man City playing Chelsea. Um, mm. Obviously, one of them's going out. We know now it's Chelsea. And then they've got Arsenal. And if they've Arsenal got Arsenal. Beat Oxford, yeah. Exactly. So, mm. you know, you look at like potential winners, you probably say them three sides and maybe Man United. And, and then you're looking at like who else? Um, we could have been that who else? You know, we're, we're flying in the league. Um, no reason why we couldn't have won that game. But I uh, I looked at the, the team when it was released. I did not like it at all. It, it made me feel very uneasy. Um, Lascelles. Uh, Dubravka, uh, 
Jacob Murphy, who is an absolute headless chicken of a footballer. Um, rapid, but zero brain. Um, Matt Ritchie, 33, 34 years old. You know, Jamal Lewis, no confidence at all. I know he's got to start somewhere, but you know, he, he doesn't look like a, a player with a future at the club, to be fair. A um, few injuries, St. Maximan was ill. Just, just didn't fancy it. Just sort of made me think, oh God, this could be an upset because, you know, uh, Wednesday are flying in the in League One. Um, I've actually got them in a bet to go up in League One, which could return me 1,500 quid at the end of the season. So uh, hopefully they do carry on doing well, but... Just for them? No, no. Oh, uh, seven others. Oh, Six right. others, okay. but they're all <laughs> winning. Burn- I've got Burnley, I've got Chef Wednesday. Um, there's a few, but uh, yeah, I didn't like it at all. Um, ignoring that the fact that their first goal was was offside um, and also the bizarre thing that VAR is in some games in the FA Cup and not others, which is just absolutely stupid. Um, makes no sense at all. But you know, ignoring that, we weren't good enough. I thought it, it just proved that that our uh, squad depth is is an issue for us when we can't play our first team. I mean, Chris Wood's miss at the end kind of encapsulates that, doesn't it? Yeah, Chris Wood's... Uh, yeah, it summed him up, to be honest. I mean, Joe Linton does everything right, just, you know, delays the pass, gives him a, a simple simple finish past the goalie and he, he sticks it and nearly lands in Bramall Lane. Never mind uh, <laughs> the, the back of the net at uh, Hillsborough. So, yeah, it was um, frustrating, but another chance gone. We'll have to make do with winning the league. Yeah, Alan Shearer wasn't too happy about it in the TV studio after the game, but I'm sure there'll be plenty more chances in the near future for Newcastle United to well, yeah, well, have a shot at silverware. We've got Leicester on Tuesday to get to the semis of the Carabao Cup. As long as we win that, I think I think of the two, you'd probably rather win that and be one step closer to, mm. to a cup final, as long as we avoid City in that one yeah. as well. Well, I do think the FA Cup's more prestigious than the League Cup. It um, is, but because it's so far away, you can't say, yeah. oh, this is a chance missed just yet. That's I mean, true. That uh, first cut silverware is so important as well, isn't yeah. it? When you've got a club that has aspirations of doing what Newcastle yeah. want to do, mm. just getting that, it doesn't really well, matter. Well, the Carabao final is in the end of February, isn't it? So yeah, it's like exactly. the, it's Get that really under soon. Their belt and that's a real statement of intent. Whereas, as you say, the FA Cup, we're only in the third round. There's mm. a hell of a long way to go to even get a sniff of the final. Well, some of the other standout performances come from teams not in the Premier League, not even in the Football League. I know one that caught your eye, Jim, was Wrexham, the Welsh club who, of course, are owned by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, um, seem to have more social media followers than some well-established Football League teams, such as the Stardom that's arrived there in North Wales, beat Coventry City by four goals to three. I know you were pretty impressed with that, weren't you? I wasn't necessarily impressed with the performance of Wrexham. I was impressed with the game because it was just an exciting game. It had everything. It ebbed and flowed. It had Coventry almost sealing the comeback. I don't think... I think Wrexham were... I mean, Wrexham fans will probably hate this, but I think they were pretty lucky to actually get the result in the end. They didn't play very well. I think their goalkeeper looks very suspect (laughs) indeed and got very lucky in a couple of scenarios. But it was a great game. It's what the FA Cup's all about. It's like... Going 4-1 up, was it? And then Coventry City pulling two back and then almost grabbing it at the end. It was just an, it was an exciting end-to-end game. Neither team put in a brilliant performance, but it was just it was it was good fun. Yeah, certainly was. Some great results this weekend as the FA Cup third round concludes. Interesting ties taking place tonight as well, just to kind of round off that weekend, as we mentioned, Oxford United taking on Premier League leaders. Arsenal. Okay, 
FA Cup done. Now it's time to throw some stuff in the sea. You ready, Jim? I'm ready. Okay, well, what's your gripe from this weekend's footballing action? Might not necessarily be from the FA Cup, but just in general, what's got your back up this week? Mine's actually not from the FA Cup or even the Premier League, but Ooh. it was such a indictment on modern football, I felt it had to be mentioned and potentially thrown in the sea. So... We're off to the Middle East, lads, Oy. to look at the again. Arabian, we just got back. Yeah, we're going back again, back to the deserts to look at the Arabian Business Magazine that has advertised <laughs> for the first ever Ronaldo correspondent. So they're advertising a job where you can jet off to, I think it's based in Riyadh, and you can go out and basically be the man who follows Ronaldo about twenty four seven and reports on exactly what he's doing. So the managing editor of so how many times he's had a in the day, that sort of <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm not sure that would be that re- relevant to the Arabian business magazine, but you never know. <laughs> so the, um, the managing editor is a fellow called Matthew Amlot, who says, Ronaldo is the biggest star and the biggest story on the planet. It is an industry of its own, and as such, it deserves its own full-time correspondent. His move to Saudi Arabia keeps Arab soccer firmly on the global stage, and the successful applicants will play a pivotal part in this unfolding story. Is there a wage attached to that? Do you know what? I've not seen I bet, the I bet wage. But it's, it's decent. Yeah, I bet it's probably... It's not bad. You might be throwing it in the sea, but I've, <laughs> I might be sending an application in <laughs> if it's more than... Do you know what? I'm sure it would be a fantastic lifestyle and you'd get out there and you'd probably get to go to all the showbiz parties and the commercial launches that Ronaldo will be doing and there'll be more commercial launches and there will be minutes on the pitch for Ronaldo in his new... Saudi Arabian home, but I think it is it's just a bit depressing, isn't it? It's a sign that suddenly yeah. individuals, and this has been coming for a while, particularly with Ronaldo and Messi, and we've known that individuals are bigger than teams and bigger than sports, and they have been for some time, but it's just another step in that direction that suddenly football mm. is a footnote to what this guy's going to cover. He's going to be covering everything else. So Ronaldo launches a new type of toothpaste. That will be front page of the yeah. Arabian business It's almost free exposure else. for Cristiano Ronaldo, free PR. Not that he needs it, of course, yeah, as, as they completely. mentioned. One of the biggest stars It just shows the what game. he's there to do as well, I think. I think anyone who... He gave that... He's profile-raising for Saudi Arabia, yeah. isn't he? That's yeah, what he's doing. Exactly. And I mean, he, He's only, being paid as a PR man, ultimately. You only need to look at one of the questions I asked Marley in the quiz on Friday's edition of the podcast, which was Saudi Arabian club Al Nasser, who have just signed Cristiano Ronaldo. The question was, have they got more Instagram followers than Leicester? Yes. Have they got more Instagram followers than Aston Villa? Yes. More than Inter Milan? Yes. You know, they've got way more than... two weeks ago, though? Well, that's the point, (laughs) isn't it? Since they've signed Ronaldo, they've skyrocketed in terms of their followings on social media, more than 10 million Instagram followers. I think that's partly what you're saying it's yeah and what kind of annoys me about this mostly is Ronaldo gave that press conference didn't he when he first joined and he was like I've come here to play football I've come to South Africa he said he got the country completely wrong but yeah there's like I've had big offers from Portugal I've had big offers from Brazil I've had big offers from the US I've had big offers from the Premier League I've nothing to prove in Europe I've chosen this for football no you have not you're that you're there and also six weeks ago did you see that thing on what you said on Piers Morgan Piers Morgan said if yeah. it was about money you would be earning a king's ransom in Saudi Arabia and then he was like exactly yeah <laughs> you're there as a salesman mate that's why you've be honest that's why you're taking the job your, your big white smile is there to sell Saudi Arabia yeah. and whatever that country has to offer yeah. so 
What are you throwing in the it's sea then, Jim? Sports washing. What am I throwing well. in me? Yeah, <laughs> I've just told you. Yeah, go on. Say it again. Confirm. Right. The, uh, the, the job of official Ronaldo correspondent for Arabian Business Magazine. Getting in the sea. There it is. Splashing straight into the deep blue. And we move on now to Marley Anderson. What's wound you up, mate? Um, again, it's it's not. It is football, but it's not. It's not the FA Cup. It's not. Uh, it's not Chris Woods' miss or anything like that. It's um, something that annoyed me on social media um, over the weekend, and it's a spe- it keeps popping up. Once you see it, it's hard to to unsee it. Is it Roy Keane's moustache? Not not what quite. was going on there, by <laughs> the way. Was there any congratulations on your viral tweet, though? Thanks, mate. Was there I any didn't, explanation? Uh, I didn't understand for it. it, but people did. <laughs> Um, yeah, Why? was there an explanation for that? I don't know. What, his moustache? Yeah. Well, he just thinks it looks good. It doesn't. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. He thinks, he thinks it does. At some point, his missus has gone, you look like Burt Reynolds with that moustache. And he's kept it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not it's not the one. But also, it's not going in the sea for me. Um, what is going in the sea? I hope she doesn't have a moustache. Um, <laughs> it's Tiago Silva's wife, Belle Silva. I feel Bell like is one word for her. <laughs> I feel like you've thrown her in the seat before. Have I? I think you might have done. I might have. Um, she's just a bit of a gob, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Um, she's she doesn't help situations. She's very outspoken, and as a woman who is simply married to a footballer, that is for me. That's it's annoying because it, you have no say in anything. Love, like listen. She's uh she's she's annoying at the best of times when things are going well. She she always videos herself um watching matches, which I hate. Why do people film themselves watching matches? It winds me up. Um and she's uh she was, she did one last week and it, it kind of annoyed me. I think it was um the league game between uh, Chelsea and Man City. She videos herself and her mum or sister or whoever it was going, Come on, Chelsea in a terrible English accent and I was like, oh, it's a bit annoying. Like, I, that'd embarrass me if my wife was doing that, but never mind. Um, and then on, I think last night she wrote something on on Twitter like, um, it's it's not too late to say you made a mistake or something like that. And it's just Chelsea don't need that. Like, who's that helping? That's not helping your husband. It's not helping your husband's club. It's not helping the mm. wage that you're. Husband is earning to make sure that you don't have to work for a living. Like you're, you know, it doesn't help anything. And just, I just think people have got to just know your place. Like you're not, in, you're not a consultant at Chelsea Football Club. You have no input. You have no, you know, you're not a coach. You're not a, a sort of boardroom woman with strategies and ideas about how to run a football club. Yet you're some gob on Twitter talking about, oh, it's not too late. Basically. Saying without saying that they should have had should have hired Tuchel back, or they sh- or they should hire Tuchel back. Yeah, and it's I like mean, I, I think it's fair enough supporting your husband and wanting him to do well and having an opinion on things. But when you are the wife of a football player, you do have to be very careful what you post on social mm. media because you're almost jeopardising your partner's mm. interests. She's done it in the past as well. She did it at uh, PSG. She was very very critical of of how it ended I think um, look she may have a point but also it's not her point to make it's Thiago's career it's not Bell Silva transferring from PSG to Chelsea uh, just wind your neck in it's like David De Gea's girlfriend when she said Manchester had the aesthetics of the back of a fridge 
And it's she, like, well, isn't it? she's not wrong. Di, Di Maria, <laughs> Di Maria's girlfriend said once, didn't he? Didn't she? That the the food in Manchester was horrible. Yeah. And the people were horrible, and the weather was horrible. Ah, but like, she looks like a horse. So. Yeah. It's not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. Those kind of comments aren't going to impact your career in any way, but mm. it's not going to ingratiate you with the fan base. And yeah. you need to have a fan base on board with you. So it's like, you're, you're kind of right. You don't necessarily need to have an opinion about football yeah, or the manager or the city that your husband is playing football in. Or it works the other yeah. way as well if you're a female footballer. The football that your, your wife's playing football in. It's like, there, there are other things you can do. Mm. Like worry about your own. Yeah, there's not stuff. there's not one Chelsea fan in existence who goes. I wonder what Bell Silver's take on the Thomas Tuchel versus <laughs> Green Potter. Like nobody cares, love. Nobody cares about you. Just be quiet. Stop. So just remind us all who you're putting in the sea. Bell Silver is getting wet in the sea. In the sea she goes. All right, that moves on to me now. Uh, my get in the sea is, believe it or not, for probably the 412th time. VAR. <laughs> Um, this time because in the Wolves versus Liverpool game there was a goal scored by Totti the defender for Wolves um, who kind of made up for an earlier error which led to a Mo Salah goal which was also controversially uh, allowed by VAR won't go into that not bothered about that bit the bit that wound me up because we've seen dodgy VAR decisions that's kind of by the wayside now the bit that wound me up was the corner that the Totti goal was scored from they didn't have the camera angle at Anfield one of the most prestigious stadiums in world football not just in the country one of the better stadiums for one of the biggest clubs they didn't have the camera angle to determine whether the person taking the corner was offside or not what is going on we've got technology in the game and we can't get a camera (laughs) angle because the corner taker was not in the shot so they couldn't determine whether he was onside or offside for the goal the goal was ruled out as offside in the end but it was very, very suspicious. Mm. And it just annoyed me. We've seen bad VAR decisions. As I mentioned, the Salah goal in the same game, many people are saying it's not offside. It's to do with interpretation because the defender plays the ball, but he had no choice but to play the ball because Salah was stood offside, therefore forcing him to make that decision. That's a debate that we could go into as well. But for me, to not have the camera angle to determine whether someone's offside or not, when we've got all of this technology, multiple cameras in the stadium, it's so poor. Do you think there's anything underhand in that? Because that was a suggestion from the Wolves manager, wasn't it? That yes, there was, there but... was tactical positioning of the cameras. But I don't even know who, oh, who decides where the cameras go. Well, it must be the broadcasters, the, the host broadcaster, whoever that will be. Um, and surely for the Premier League, we know it's Premier League Productions, Liverpool the in-house broadcast have... company. The FA Cup might be totally different. They couldn't, Liverpool couldn't preempt the scenario in the game that requires no, no, the cameras. No, I, I don't think situation. it's. I don't think it's crooked. Put it that way. I mm. just think it's incompetence. Incompetent. Absolutely. So for me. VAR once again. I'm lashing it in the sea and that completes Get In The Sea for this week on Football Social Daily. And don't forget, next Monday on the show, we'll be throwing some more things that have wound us up into the sea as well. But next on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Manchester United and their transfer business because, well, what are we, nine days into the window? A bit late, but they've been linked with absolutely everyone. Seems to happen all the time, doesn't it? We'll talk about it next after this here on FSD. Football Social Daily. Follow us on Twitter at FSDPod. Hold up. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Subscribe or follow now and never miss an episode. Welcome back. Final part of today's Football Social Daily and it is the January transfer window at the moment and Manchester United are on the hunt for a striker and we've got a Manchester United fan of our own in the studio. Joel Tudor, what's happening, Joel? Morning, guys. I wish I was talking about some Galactico signing, but <laughs> apparently not at the moment. <laughs> well, yes, Val Veghurst is the name that's been linked to the United over the course of the weekend. Of course, the Burnley striker is currently on loan in Turkey at Besiktas. Um, had a really good record when at Wolfsburg in the league. 59 goals in 118 games. Had a good World Cup as well. Of course, came in with some clutch goals. He's six foot five. He's a big man. He's Dutch. He's available. What are your thoughts on this one, Joe? It's very OD and Agalo esque, isn't it? <laughs> that's I, I would, that's, that's harsh. exactly what I was thinking. Well, that's, I think that's harsh on Veghorst. I think he's a better player than Igalo was. Oh, I mean, he has a better record. Like that's that's the statistics don't lie. But I mean, it just feels like exactly the same situation we were in when we wanted Igalo, which was we were desperate. We didn't have any money to spend. Obviously, I know John Mert has basically said there's no cash to spend uh, this month, which so it was always coming. But it just feels so desperate. But I think now, because we're in a little bit of a better situation than we were when we went for a Galo, which we were really scraping at the barrel at that time, I actually trust Ten Hag in this situation. I know he's got a massively high stock after the World Cup, after that uh, ingenious little free kick against Argentina. <laughs> and I don't think I've been doing for about six years. <laughs> literally. Um, I don't know if that... It feels like his stock's just risen ridiculously after that game, which is quite crazy. But I was doing some digging to try and find, well, what is it about him rather than just his height and just about his goals that Ten Hag would actually want? And if you look back to Ronaldo, where he was getting a lot of pelters for not pressing enough, not working hard enough, when all Ten Hag's teams are about press... I looked at some incredible stat, which was that out of every single Bundesliga player in the 2019 to 2020 season, Weghorst had the second most intensive runs in the league, which was 2,628. So to put What's that into intensive con- run, I'm guessing it's breaking a sweat. <laughs> everything, breaking a sweat. Everything when he's six foot five. Everything's <laughs> intensive. You've got a really movie body, but to put that into context, that's more than Alfonso Davies from Bayern, who only had 800, and Jaden Sancho at the time at Dortmund had 865. So, 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 so for a big like- lad. Considerably more than, than everyone else. Three times the, the amount. The thing is, you know he's going to be a hard worker because that is exactly what Sean Dyche looks for in his players. And when Sean Dyche brought him to Burnley, and obviously he was brought in to be that big lump up front at Burnley, but he's, he doesn't bring in players that are work shy. And so you know he's got that element. And Ten Hag demands a similar thing, even though you'd hope 
culturally the football will be slightly different to what he was asked to do in a Burnley shirt. I have a gripe with people that don't like this Verkhurst signing. Let me put please. my case to you, please, Joel. <laughs> he was rubbish at Burnley. He scored two goals in 20 Premier League games. Didn't have the impact that they wanted. But Burnley were rubbish last season. They went down. Were they really creating any chances for him to feed off? Probably not. He's on loan at Besiktas. He scored 8-16 in, in the league this season. 1-2 in two record. As I mentioned earlier, his Wolfsburg record is 59 goals in 118 games. That's almost that's exactly a 1-2 in two record there. AZ Alkmaar, I know we're going into the Dutch league. 31 league goals in 60 games. That's better than a 1-2 in two record. And then the other clubs he's played for, he's bagged as well at a 1-3 in three record. So he's certainly someone who knows where the goals are. For the Netherlands, 5 goals in 19 caps since 2019. So he's clearly a striker who knows how to finish so what is it about him that you're not convinced by it's not the fact that he's not a decent goal scorer but it's just the fact that every single league you've mentioned is not a top four league and the league that he needed to prove himself in oh, the is the league as a top four league of course it is. Mm, I mean, it's probably the worst of the for the four, though, wouldn't it? And the Bundesliga tax is so real. When players come over from Germany, it's, it's as hit and miss, I would say, as the Dutch league in terms of what you're going to get. You only have to look at so many of the big-name signings and they've barely even hit the ground running for the majority of clubs. I don't think it's the fact that he's a bad player. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He, mm. you, you, you've literally just said his statistics don't lie. It's the fact that is he the quality that United need? Sure. That's the only gripe I have because, you know, we've been linked to Zhao Felix, mm. been linked to Memphis Depay. I feel like they're similar You've been profile. linked to Edin Dzeko as well, I can see here by the Daily Mail today. 36-year-old <laughs> former yeah. Manchester City striker. I do, I do wonder whether the opposition to this from Manchester United fans comes from the position that Manchester United find themselves in. So I think with Ten Hag coming in, Everyone wants to see a blueprint for the future because Manchester United don't want to be where they are now. They want to be back to winning things. They want to be back to challenging for the Premier League. Mm. And this signing, as good as he might be for one season, maybe two seasons, he isn't the long term. He isn't the future of that. Six months club. isn't in Max. He, he's third, he's Joel 30 Felix, now, for example, he? that, that mm. you're suddenly going, that's the guy that's going to play for us for the next five, six seasons mm. and it's a blueprint for the future. So I wonder right. if it's the short-termism that upsets people. I, think I also wonder when the last player to go on loan from Burnley to Manchester United was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether it would be a permanent deal, but Marley, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of shuffling and, you know, mm. Cristiano Ronaldo has left Manchester United before Christmas and has left a kind of a striking void. They need a, a replacement for him and we thought we'd seen the last of him when it comes to links to Manchester United, but there's this weird transfer triangle going on that you've discussed. Love triangle. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the world's crappest roundabout with um, Ronaldo going to Al Nasser and then Al Nasser are going to release Vincent Abubakar. Then Abubakar is going to go to Besiktas and Besiktas will allow, cut the loan short, allow him to go back to Burnley, then to Man United. <laughs> so it's a bit strange. Uh, I think Man United were actually linked with Abubakar as well um, mm. recently, but I think they want Vegos for his for his height and his yeah and his, his Dutchness, and which I think, helps. I think Ten Hag as well plays with more of a false nine in league games, but in European games he tends to play with a more physical striker, mm. which is why we saw Ronaldo play more of the Europa League matches rather than the Premier League games. He prefers someone more mobile, I think, for the, for the league matches. But also, another name... Uh, talking of uh, going back to an old club, Memphis Depay is apparently attracting interest, not just from Manchester United, but from Newcastle, Marley, Arsenal and Chelsea as well. We've mentioned him already this month on Football Social Daily. It seems like whatever happens and whichever club he goes to, he is going to be leaving Barcelona. It's being pushed heavily in the press, at least. He's already had one stint in the Premier League. Do you think we'll see him again? Uh, I think he's got the... 
he's got the ego for it to sort of come back and and say like right unfinished business type of thing. Um, I'm just not sure where he fits in. Uh, I don't particularly want him at Newcastle. Um, Why not? Just don't. Mm. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. He's, I don't. Is he a striker? Is he a winger? He's 28. He's going to come on big wages. He's got a pretty big sort of personality that not everybody sort of doesn't seem like much of a sort of squad player type thing. I just don't really think he fits our our squad type of thing. So, um, I can see him if if he went back to Holland, he'd, he'd bang in a million goals a season and and look like the the next big thing. But you know, he's he's twenty eight. I can see him ended up in in Italy. To be honest, um, I think that league would suit him quite nicely. Um, but it smells like a Chelsea signing to me. I think he'd suit him. I think he'd suit him. Why? Well, no, it, I mean, I don't agree, don't disagree that it sounds like a signing because I don't think it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's just the kind of player... That... Here's another guy who plays up front somewhere. Mm. A relatively status-esque signing. Well, they just yeah. did that with Aubameyang. And, you know, he's getting subbed on and then subbed off again in the same game. Yeah, well, he's going to leave this window, isn't he? He's going to leave Chelsea. Already? Definitely. I yeah. don't think he'll go to... It's not worked. It was an experiment that hasn't he worked. He was Tuchel's signing as well, wasn't he? He only, mm. he only came to play with Tuchel because he played month, with him at Dortmund. A month but... later, he was gone, wasn't he, Thomas Tuchel? A couple of months I think later. It was, no, I think it was like nine days or something. Oh, was it? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just over a week, I think. So we could see maybe uh, Bamiyang out and Memphis to play in, Jim. Could I don't know, straight I mean, I don't, like I say, like Miley says, it doesn't really make sense on the pitch because it's probably not the player that Chelsea need at this moment. They want someone they need a focal point someone to lead the line that mm. the attacking players the wide attacking players they've got can kind of play around but it does feel like the kind of move that Tom Bowley might make and I guess it probably depends how much say that why are you laughing at my pronunciation of Tom Bowley <laughs> well it's first of all because his name's Todd oh, so yeah. <laughs> you keep calling him Tom Bowley like Tom Bowler yeah, and just, and, and it's quite ironic you're calling him Tom Bowler because it's this, like his signings he's picking his hand into, yeah. a, into a lucky dip and seeing that's what he pulls out it. it's very meta <laughs> Jim's just on a, a wavelength ahead of us we, just, we can't quite keep up with it Tom Bowley I love it yeah it doesn't really make much sense but I, I can see it happening it depends how much input Graham Potter's having into those transfers I guess mm. as to whether it'll actually happen or not all right, let's refocus on Manchester United. Here's one from Fijajes in Spain who say that Atletico Madrid want to re-sign Manchester United's Alejandro Garnacho. Of course, they signed the youngster from the Atletico Academy a few years back. He's since broken through into the first team, still only 18 years of age. An amazing start to his senior career, scoring goals. He scored a winner against Fulham before the World Cup break. He's been really important and looks so good when he's played. Surely Manchester United won't let Alejandro Garnacho leave, Joel. Sorry, to, just so to interrupt, but I've just thought I'd have a quick look online and Spanish media are linking Memphis Depay to Chelsea. Prophesy, prophesy, Jim. From a story that was Pat on the back for Jim then. Trusted Spanish media. ITK, we got an ITK. In the know. Right, Garnacho. United aren't going to sell him back to Atletico, are they? No, and they'd be lucky if they can even touch him because I think United are in a better situation now with him because I always worry with when we have young Spanish players or young Hispanic players or players from South America, they always have that dream of Real Madrid, Barcelona all the time. Sometimes you think, is it even worth going for him in the start? Because when they start progressing, they will inevitably want to go and play for the big clubs in Spain. It's just like us being brought up in Spain and saying we want to go play for, you know, Man United or Arsenal or whatever, like or Liverpool. It's always going to be the case. But I think in this situation, Atleti aren't the top two teams in Spain. And I don't think you would ever want to go to Real Madrid because of that kind of 
rivalry between them. But he's untouchable. He's got a 2024 20, uh, contract. He's still got another two years, uh, well, one year left with an option for another year. And I think he's pretty untouchable, to be honest. Do you think That'd this be- is Spanish press thinking about this Joao Felix possible departure from Atletico Madrid and thinking where they can fill the gap if he does leave? And they're thinking, oh, Garnacho's doing well when he used to play for us. It's it's pretty logical, isn't it? But I wouldn't want to let go of Garnacho. F- I'm not saying as a straight swap, but like including him in it plus cash. I think it'd be pretty stupid to let go of such potential. I know Joao Felix is, you know, he's he's 21 now. I don't think he's shown as much promise as I thought he would have when he went from Benfica to Atletico. But then again, he's playing for a guy who's known for defensive football, not the most attractive <laughs> totally football. Different style. Oh, I, I, it just yeah. it feels like the most opposite. Uh, magnets going together and he needs a manager who's going to be a bit more progressive with him but I think Garnacho is a player who United want to avoid doing a Pogba situation with which is not rewarding him for his start because Pogba's gripe Mm. or Raiola's gripe was that he started well he deserves to be the top earner amongst his age group and he never got it and he went to Juventus and it cost United £90 million a £90 million mistake Mm. I don't think they'll want that to happen here with Garnacho so just give him what he deserves at the moment which is a professional good contract. I think Garnacho has started his career better than Anthony Alanga, for example, who's another young Difference player. Difference in quality, totally different. Isn't I think it? it's a, a different, um, different scenario, as you say, Joel. Right, final one we're going to talk about involves Harry Maguire, Jim, who Manchester United have come out and dismissed the speculation that he will be leaving to join Aston Villa this month. Um, I think Joel, you could probably shed some light on this in a minute. There might have been some nasty rumour started online that Harry Maguire could be leaving the club this January um, was that always going to be speculation though Jim because he's the Manchester United captain he's not getting starts at the moment but certainly someone who considering how much money they paid for him is likely to stick around for a bit if you'd asked me six weeks ago whether Harry Maguire was going to be finding a new club in January I would have said yes it looks like he's set to leave for the reasons you say he wasn't getting starts he's become a figure of fun at Manchester United really and it felt Mm. like he needed a bit of a clean slate start again, move to a club that kind of maybe played a defensive style of football that was more fitting of his game where he can just jump up and down and get his head on stuff. But now, I think coming off the back of what was a pretty decent World Cup for Harry Maguire, I think he was one of England's better players during the tournament, I think he's got that opportunity to kick on. I guess the question is, does he fit Manchester United's playing style and does Ten Hag rate him enough to give him a chance in that first eleven? He has had chances previously, so you'd suggest that Ten Hag does think he fits the system. So now he's got to do what he can in training and win his place back. Do you think the writing's on the wall? I think the writing was on the wall for him in the last two weeks when Ten Hag opted for Shaw at centre back instead of him. That's, Surely yeah. he's looking at that thinking, I've not even if I do amazing in training every day, I just don't. I'm not fancied by him. So what's what Ten Hag? I mean, that, that surely hints that then Maguire isn't delivering in training. Well, he started against Bournemouth, and so did Lindelof, and they both played very well. But that was purely through rotation because he rested Varane for that game. But that's as how well. any player who's on the fringes gets their opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, it's but like, I think you, even you, if he does well, I just don't think he trusts him to be the player that he needs. He wants ball playing centre backs who are comfortable with the ball at the feet mm. I think that's and are very tactically aware. I think yeah, I think that's the unless he wants gripe. to play one centre back that's a big nasty unit and yeah. one ball playing centre back, mm. which does tend to work for a lot of managers. That if he wanted to do I that, think, then Harry Maguire's got a place. If he wants both centre backs comfortable with the ball at his feet, then it is time for Harry Maguire to I move on. I think Maguire can else. be comfortable with the ball at his feet. We've seen him do it before. It's I just think it's confidence, all absolutely, Marley. Yeah. He'd be brilliant for Villa. I think he'd be f- fantastic for Villa because they're not good enough with the ball 
to have it and need a centre-back to use it all the time. Whereas, you know, you put him alongside someone like Mings and you've just got two big horrible mm. buggers who head it away every time. Mm. I mean, Mings probably makes 10 mistakes more than Maguire a season, but that that is what it is. I think a sort of mid-table team, Villa are almost exactly like Leicester were. Like, they will give you chances and they will need defenders to help them out. So, mm. whereas Man United don't, they're more, you know... 80% of the time, a Man United defender's job is to pass the ball out and start attacks. And 20% of the time, they're actually defending, maybe on the counter-attack, maybe against pacey players. That's why he looks uncomfortable. It's not a great scenario Manchester United have got themselves into again, is it, from transfer policy? Because they've now got a player that doesn't necessarily fit their style, that they will make a loss on. They're likely to look embarrassed on because mm. Harry Maguire will go on at his next club and we'll look at him and go oh that's the, that's the Harry Maguire that Leicester City had he's decent again I think now. he's yeah. a good player Harry Maguire and I do think it's been borderline bullying some of the abuse he's been getting I do think I mean he's not had a good season last season I wonder whether because there were question marks when Ronaldo came into the club about the leadership element you know Ronaldo coming in and trying to be this mm. this leading figure Maguire was the captain maybe he's a bit he, undermined maybe he felt a bit undermined had a bad season last year and he's still recovering from that now Cristiano has left the club Maybe we'll see because the season before last, he had a good season. And, you know, Manchester United reached the last stages of the Europa League. Well, they reached the final, didn't they? They got beaten. So maybe there's an element of that to it. I'm just speculating, of course. But Jim's got a point here, Joel. Obviously, United need a striker. We've discussed that already. Do Manchester United need to sign another centre-back? If not in January, then in the summer. Because Martinez has come in and done very well. But if you look at some of the other options, Eric Bailly, who signed a new contract a couple of seasons ago, He's out on loan at Marseille for the season. Axel Twanzebe can't get in the squad. Victor Lindelof is very much a fringe player. You also suggested, as we've seen this last couple of weeks, Luke Shaw has been playing at centre-back. So, do United need to go out and make a, a central defensive signing, do you think? Right now, I don't think it's a priority area just because um, we're banking on the fact that Varane can keep his legs perfect for the next five months, which is probably unlikely. Mm. Uh, and obviously, Martinez coming back as well is just a massive positive. And I guess Lindelof... in in some cases he's good as a bit of a utility player, but he's not a starter like he's been for the last four years. I think the most vital place we need to go for is the striker position. I feel like we are a striker away from doing something massive in majority of the competitions, but we just don't have a clinical striker because Martial, as much as I love him and as much as I think he's a great player, you cannot rely on him for a whole season, mm. especially in all four competitions. And I think, and I'm going to put it out there now in the open, Owen's not going to like me for this, our Spurs colleague, but I think this is the summer that Harry Kane's resolve needs to be tested. Just because Conte probably isn't going to win anything with Spurs. I don't think Kane's going to win anything with Spurs. Or as we all know, Man United are going to win yeah. things. <laughs> well, more chance than Spurs. So anyway, what, you put think, it that you way. Think, no, Kane, but, Kane is two goals away or one goal away from Jimmy Greaves' all-time Tottenham goal-scoring record. Do you think he break? Well, he will break. If he's, if he's going to tear himself think- away from Spurs, though, if Harry Maguire is going to go, Harry, Harry Kane, sorry, is going to go. I'm going to put what I've done for Spurs, my club legendary status in the bin, because I want to win stuff. Is he going to go to Manchester United? Guys, is he? Like, ek? Stop talking about <laughs> us like we're Newcastle or something. Like we are, we're on, we're on the up. You have to be Stevie Wonder to, to not see it on telly. <laughs> Seriously, we Newcastle United will win a trophy before Manchester United. No chance. Wow. No can, we, chance. can we shake hands on this, please? You two. I want to see it. I want to see a handshake. <laughs> £10 charity bet. Ten pound charity bet. There we go. There we go. There we go. What a great way to end. It's going to win. By the way, in the Carabao. By the way, an Audi, an Audi Cup doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Major silverware. Major silverware. That is it for. 
for today's episode of Football Social Daily. Thank you, Marley. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Jim. Don't forget, hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode of this podcast again. Daily Premier League news, views and opinions and indeed some big interviews coming up with some former Premier League stars too and you won't want to miss those. Tomorrow we'll be hearing from Kerry from the Chelsea podcast about what exactly is going down at Stamford Bridge. So make sure you join us then. But until then, that is it from us on Football Social Daily. Catch you next time. Football Social Daily. 